0: The the house next door was for sale. The agent who was listing that house somehow found my phone number, called me, and was like, "Hey, uh, there's like 15 people like in and out of this house all at all times a day, and we can't sell our house because your house has like so much activity." Oof! I'm like, "Oh, okay." And she had moved. It was like within three weeks of moving in.
1: They weren't Girl Scouts coming in and out. It it was
0: most definitely not Girl Scouts. Yeah. Um, so go over there. I got the call. I tried to contact the resident. I'm not one to like go out somewhere like immediately. Like I'm going to give them a chance to answer. I'm not going to be that like nosy overbearing, you know? So, you know, I didn't hear from her a day, two days. I'm like, okay, let me go out there, go out there. All the windows in the house are shot out (laughs) by the SWAT team. The SWAT team raided the house with bags, They shoot out the windows. Okay. There was like a huge drug bust. <sighs> Lots of people were arrested. I evicted someone who was in prison because clearly, like I still have to go through an eviction. She's in jail. Um, I look back, you know, it was like a lot to deal with. It was a huge insurance claim. The place was trashed. Like, obviously we didn't have windows anymore. It rained inside. It was like a whole thing. And um we, we get through it. I reflect, I go back and look, the proof of payments that she sent me were literally all handwritten in this. She was a, she was a cleaner. Okay. They were all handwritten in the same pen, in the same handwriting, these receipts. I'm like, what the hell? Like, how did I ever think this was okay? (laughs) And I did a I did more research. I spoke to obviously the officers who were out there and they said it's um it's kind of like a, a thing. So these groups of drug communities will find someone with a clean record. Cause we I did do a background check. Okay, I got that far. They'll find someone with a clean record and they'll be the one to put in the application. And then within a week or two, your house doesn't look anything like it did when you rented it. So it's like it's kind of organized um so please be on the lookout for that like to do, do your applicant scorecard do your checks and balances call your references like make sure they actually have a job
2: but let me pick this apart because i think this is how i'm going to remove the fear from people so you had windows damage you had a squat team in there really yeah. literally the worst case scenario that could happen with a. Oh, yeah, it was bad. Um, what did that actually cost you out of pocket in terms of like loss rents damages what did insurance pay you back for do you remember having any general ranges. Yeah,
0: so insurance covered everything. And uh they covered loss of rent. They also covered uh they didn't cover the eviction, of course. They I I ended up coming out pretty much break even.
2: Okay, welcome to another episode of Affordable Housing and Real Estate Investing. Today we got the bird queen of ohio jesse <laughs> lane ohio. i know Must well, muscle well take the whole whole state right love it. Uh, i got my guest co-host dane conley dane welcome back to the show man always fun having you around dude
1: thanks for having me again brother i appreciate it i love doing oh. these and i'm uh this i'm really looking forward to talking to jesse this will be the second time i get the the honor of of chatting with her and uh yeah i'm looking forward to rolling it out and I mean, as as you were just telling Jesse, we, we've got a few canned questions, but I'm sure we'll steer off course very rapidly and I'll be distracted and probably be talking <laughs> about R&B or something like that uh, 10 minutes into it. But, uh, I, know, I know we're going to learn a lot from Jesse. I learned a lot from her in the 45 minutes or so that we had coffee a couple weeks ago. And uh, I, I'm really, really – I look forward to all of our guests, but I'm really looking forward to this because – I just got started, as you know, in the residential side. Yes, congratulations. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm excited. It's, it's fun. It, it, it fuels my creative side. Um, mm-hmm. You know, multifamily is, is where I got started, obviously, but uh, that's a really tough uh, area right now. Not a lot of deals and the ones that are out there are, are mm-hmm. not great. And so I just got excited about residential, wanted to stay in real estate, wanted to stay active and be, I need to be creative, as you know, can't all the time. And, uh, you know, I had done a lot of reading and learning and uh, my general contractor had said, you need to reach out to Jesse Wang. She's the burr queen of Columbus. And I said, all right, sounds good. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) The house on the other side of my house that, you guys are working on uh it just went up for wholesale
1: wow on which, which street on Hutchinson? yes yeah I know. So I that was,
0: whole yeah. strip yeah
1: yeah it's yeah. so your house if i have this correct there's your house that house that's for sale and then my general contractor exactly. is on the yeah. other side i was yeah. gonna buy i was actually there it's open house today i was gonna go through it today oh, but okay. i had surgery and i I'm on the, I'm playing hurt today.
0: Columbus is changing. Yeah. I love it.
2: Well, I Dana's talked so many good things about you, Jesse, from that one conversation and you have clearly made an impact. So let's just get, let's just get to know you a little bit about Jesse. Like tell us a little bit about your background and how'd you get started investing?
0: Yeah. So I have a, you know, a story that kind of a lot of people could relate to is I was an accidental landlord. (laughs) You you probably hear that a lot. Um, I was, Bought a house, a condo, actually, in Austin, Texas, born and raised there, and I thought that I would be there for years to come. Um, Didn't work out that way. Kind of, you know, life has different ways of of working out and throwing you some curveballs. So I actually ended up in the span of two weeks. I was living there with a roommate and a partner to fully moved out with four college guys renting isn't a- yeah, four, four. It was a three-bedroom, so it was it was bold. <laughs>
1: this is a TV show, wasn't this on NBC? Is this
0: a- <laughs> it, yeah, it was bold. Um, I took a chance, but I had I literally was making everything up as I went. I had not a clue what I was doing, and I always joke that those four boys could have completely started or stopped my career before it even got started, if they were you know terrible, hard to work with, whatever. They ended up being fantastic, so. Um, I give them a lot of credit for like helping me kind of get started. But at that time, I was saving up a bunch of money. So when I was moving out, um, I ended up buying another house about the year after and did the same things. I had one long-term rental and then I had uh, some roommates at my the house I lived in as well. Next year, fast forward, did that again. So this is, we're up to 2015, 2016 at this point, all still in Austin. Um, and I was like, okay, like this is pretty cool. Like all my bills are covered and I, no tragedies have happened, you know, had little headaches here and there, but I'm like, oh yeah, like real estate's pretty cool. Right. (laughs) So, um, never really at that point, like thought of it as a career. I just, I, my bills were paid and I was happy. So instead of taking it serious 2016 i quit my job quit everything and i went to go travel the world for a year uh it was in, yeah
1: as, as as one does you know, as for- one does
0: you know what when you have some rental properties like you have that luxury a little bit and i had saved a lot of money right because i wasn't i had zero bills like all of my bills were covered by my residence. so it was like yeah it was pretty sweet and i was like okay like what can i go do? so i went to go travel for a year and um, on that year, I actually ended up meeting my wife. So we had, I not so,
1: oh, so uh, uh, hold on. Oh,
0: uh, uh, yeah. Where, pause did right you, where did
1: you meet her? Give us a, a quick uh, snapshot. Yeah. Over. So it's
0: um, technically in Uruguay. Te- okay. I mean, so we both signed up for a program. It's called Remote Year. And the idea is you have remote jobs and it's a big group. We had 75 people and we lived in 12 countries for one month each. And this was, yeah, it was across the whole world. So, I mean, obviously we have lifelong friends and these shared experiences and um, it was a unique beginning year to a relationship. You don't, you don't get that a lot. So (laughs) she committed, I always joke, she committed to me before she even met my dog, (laughs) (laughs) you know? so, um, So I went to go travel and then, We both knew we didn't want to. I didn't want to go back to Austin. It became a hard place to live, cost of living, just so many people moving there. So we were kind of looking around and I actually got a job at uh, Brewdog. So, Brewdog, the brewery, I was a project manager, brought me to Columbus. And that's when I really started taking real estate more seriously because Columbus and Austin are so, so similar in, you know, capital city, blue dot, red state um, university town, similar populations. Like there, it just goes on and on. But Columbus feels about 10 years behind Austin in terms of development. So I'm like, okay, well these like, I saw what happened in Austin. Like I'm not going to miss this again. Wow. Yeah. So I was at BrewDog year and a half, but that whole time I was going to meetups, networking, like networking has been absolutely just key in my success in the city so um networking and then i kind of i there was a moment at at work that was just like i can't really do this anymore and it was kind of like a jump into the deep end right um so i sold one of the austin houses so i could have some capital to actually get started and then this was like 2017 at this point and i'm wholesaling everything if i can get it in contract I have no cash really like I'm, I'm wholesaling it. So I wholesale pretty much exclusively until about 2018, 2019. And I started buying, I, you know, I knew long-term was the way I wanted to go, but I just, I didn't really have the money to do it. So I, um, I had saved up enough by that point, started with putting 20% down. I really was buying the wrong way. So it was just taking forever. Um, even with wholesale in- income, with everything that I was doing, it was still it was taking four or five, six months to be able to buy the next one. And I was like, okay, this, like, this isn't fast enough to meet my goals and all this. So, um, I did a lot of research and a, a mentor at the time actually introduced me to the Burr method. So we'll go, we'll go over it, you know, for everyone, but essentially I'm able to buy a house with other people's money. And then I'm able to renovate it and then pull all of that money out, pay off my lender, maybe even get some money for myself and then do it again. So I'm, I mean, at this point, there's really like, as long as you understand the process, there was like nothing stopping me.
2: Wow. Like what a great story though. Um, (laughs) Maybe one piece of that I want to pull out is at the very end, you talked about, I am able to buy uh, property with other people's money. Right. And I think that's really one of the first steps And I know you're going to go into it. But can you just like debunk the myth for folks that are out there thinking like, I don't have the money. Like, I can't do this. This game is for the wealthy. Like, what made people lend you money or give you money to to invest with you?
0: Yeah. Um, What made them so again, networking and built relationships. So the key with other people's money, um, we call OPM or private lending. Um, it's typically someone that has some money to the side in a 401k, in a retirement fund, you know, in a savings account, and they don't want to learn real estate necessarily. That's the key. Cause if, mm-hmm. if they are trying to borrow from other investors, it's possible, but for the most part, they're using their money for their deals. Right. So it's like a, a family member, a family friend, a church friend, whatever it is. Um, who has this money, who's interested in real estate, but they don't really want to take the time to learn it. Um, So it's that, it's that relationship you show. I had wholesaled. I knew how to underwrite deals. I knew how, and and, you know, I was, I didn't start necessarily fully with other people's money. I was using hard money as well. Mm -hmm. So you just, you just need to show that you understand the process, that their money's in good hands. Um, A big key for us raising private money has been social media. Like, I always say, if people don't know what you're doing, they can't participate. So even if you're just getting started, like you're further ahead than someone who knows nothing about real estate, even if you've done one, two, three deals, like put them on social media because genuinely like people will reach out to you and want to give you money.
1: I can attest to that. And Kent, uh, I know you were probably going to make a smart aleck comment to me, Kent, I can't cause me, you know, basically, I'm basically an old man. I just got on Facebook, whatever, a few months ago. But I've closed two uh, single families since then. And I just did a little blast uh, post on Facebook for each one yeah. of them. And I have a guy now that has multi-seven figures that, that I've known. Um, yep. But he saw that and he goes, okay, I've been teetering on the edge of for the last decade. Of getting into real estate, not getting into real estate. I'm gonna do it and you're my guy. And I was just like, holy cow, well, what are you talking about? And now, like, I have that capital to utilize when or if I want um, to buy a house right next to 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 yours. So yeah,
0: go buy go buy it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't mind, I'm gonna kind of get ahead of, of things here a little bit. We'll talk about the Burr method and what all that entails, but In that example, uh, somebody has, you you have a colleague or a friend uh, that has money that they can invest. How do you, if you don't mind, how do you structure that? And what does that look like for you, for them?
0: Yeah. Short term,
1: long term, everything, if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, great question. Um, When we're working with a private lender, I have, you know, my small list. We keep it pretty niche because these are personal relationships. And a deal comes in. It's a great deal for a lender. I'll just text it out. I mean, this is really informal. I'll text it out, say, Hey, we're looking for a hundred thousand dollars for this property. Um, we need it for this amount of time. Usually on burn method, we're six to eight months, um, max, and this is the rate we can offer. Are you, I mean, do you have funds? Are you interested? People will literally just say yes or no. And, um, you know, we have people, have people who are coming to me too and are like, what deals do you have? Like I have money, I have money. So, um, it goes, it, like I said, it's just that relationship. Then once they say yes, it's a promissory note as well as a recorded mortgage or like a deed, um, you know, sorry, a mortgage on the property and it's recorded. So if I were hit by a bus or anything like that, their interest is protected. Um, we pay, either monthly or at the end of the term, depending on what they're, what they need. You know, some of our lenders, it doesn't make sense. They want the monthly payment. You know, it it doesn't make sense for them to wait to the end. No problem. Others, they eh, like just give it to me all at once. So, um, will you know, we'll offer a percent of the amount that we borrow and we either pay monthly or pay at the end at the time that we refinance the house into a long-term traditional bank loan.
1: And then that, that uh, private lender, that the friend, let's say, are they then out once you cash out refi, they're made whole yep. plus their interest and then then they're out until the next deal, correct? Yep.
0: So we have all the documentation. We just pay them back exactly to those specifications. It runs through the title company. So you know, if we have proceeds from the refi, then the, they handle it. The title company handles it, pays our lender directly, I never touch their money; it all goes through title, um, so they're really well protected.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So the title title pays them. Okay, I thought that I thought that the monies when you did the refi came to you, and then you would file it or send it to to you. No,
0: because I I have it just cuts down on paperwork. If the mortgage company does it, or, I'm sorry, the title company does it, then they'll file the release as well. So then the there that lien is paid off and released.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So I
0: just they do all of it for me. It's really nice.
1: Do you have an attorney that sets up all of that paperwork for you, or set it up initially for you?
0: Set um, up initially. Yeah. I have it. I'm like kind of a tech nerd a little bit, so I have it like templated, and I just like what percent interest? What's your name? Like do do do. I push a little button and it all spits out. It's pretty good. Sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lawyers charge too much for, uh,
0: 250. Every time I'm like, I can fill in some blanks. Okay, guys. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Minimum 250. I yeah. get it. Yeah. So, uh, we talked about uh, you being the Burr queen and the Burr <laughs> method for those, uh, listeners that don't know what Burr means, yeah. spell it out and, um, maybe then go into to detail, if you don't mind, you know, go into detail of, you know, a, a, a recent or a favorite um, property case scenario that you've had and how it worked out good or or bad. You know, like, like Ken said, we, we, we enjoy the the bad stories also because oh it where should team. I start?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I think you guys, when you upload this, you'll be able to share that handout I sent over. Awesome. Yes. Um, so I'll put it in the there, show
2: notes and everything. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So listeners, if you guys want to like look at the handout that, Is attached. We have a really good kind of overview of BRRR and then also some examples like with numbers. So I'll just kind of go through that so you can follow along. So basically, what is the BRRR method? Uh, It's a real estate investment approach that involves flipping a distressed property. So we're buying under market value. Okay, that's key. We are um, renovating it, renting it out, and then getting a cash out refi to, um, fund further investments. Okay. So it's buy, rehab, rent, refi, repeat, B-R-R-R-R.
1: I should have brought my daughter in, uh, Jesse, one of my properties I took her to, she was not impressed because it had not been renovated yet. (laughs) She says, daddy, I would not live here, but the whole drive there, I was teaching her what I was doing and why, and the Burr method. And on the way home, I quizzed her. I go, "What does BUR stand for?" And she froze. I should have how old her is she? she could have answered it for you.
0: <laughs> oh, how funny! How old is she?
1: Uh, twelve, going on thirty-eight. Great time
0: to start. Great time to start. Get her in there.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> Absolutely. she can be my cleaning crew. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Um. Okay. So, so the idea is that we're buying a property under market value because it needs a lot of work, right? So often, you're finding these from wholesalers, or if you're doing your own direct to seller marketing, um, or like, honestly, we're buying quite a bit off the MLS right now. So I don't want to maybe tell my secret, but there's burr deals on the MLS where we have yeah. one contract as we speak. So, um, you buy it under market and you do the renovations you're in the renovations. You are forcing appreciation. You're forcing the value to increase by more than the amount of money you're putting into it that's key it's got to be by more than what you're putting into it and then you're you have a at this point a market you know it's beautiful it's meets all of the comps it's right at market value and you put a market value renter in as well and so um, i know this is all affordable housing focused the areas we where we're buying you know they're kind of transitioning neighborhoods for the most part and even at market rent, it's still considered affordable in the scope of Columbus. So it still meets all the CMHA guidelines and all that. But we're still at market rent. You know, I'm not. I'm a business, and I'm not here to do favors necessarily. I'm providing a clean, safe product, and I at market rent, right? So you have um, you have your renovated property with a market rent tenant in there. And then you're taking that beautiful little package that you've created, you're taking it to a long-term lender and they are going to give you 70, 75, 80% of what's called the ARV, the after repair value. So it's exactly what it sounds like. It's been repaired, here's the value now, right? After the repair. They'll give you some, you know, up to 80%. We use 75 for the most part, it's pretty safe to underwrite with. And they'll give you that amount of the new value back in the form of a long-term loan. So this money back is the 75% of what it's worth is what you're using to pay off your hard money lender, your private money lender, or you, um, you may be getting more back than what you owe. And then you're actually, yeah, you're making some income. It's not actually income. Um, it's the form of a loan. So it's actually tax-free
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really key. So if you're getting that cash out refi, it's not income, although it comes into your bank like income. Yeah. So and you
1: still have, and you still have equity in the property. You still have, I'm sorry, you said you do 75% for this example. Yeah. 25% equity in the house. So you're not, uh, I always get nervous with debt. I, I, I don't like a lot of debt. Uh, and so I'm going to dig into that a little bit more with you um, on, on that. Yeah. But it's, it is a manageable amount, especially in Columbus, Ohio, where marketing, especially affordable housing is just so needed. So um,
0: my, my thought behind the 75% um, and banks' thoughts as well. I mean, obviously, they're the ones taking on the majority of the risk here by lending on this asset. If it's worth, I, what's our example here? If it's worth 140 and they're only giving you 105, that's the example in the handout that we'll go over. You can turn around and sell it for 140. And after your commissions, closing costs, all that, they know that they still have enough to be paid off. Right. Right. So that's why they're willing to take on that specific amount of risk because it's enough to turn around, sell it, and not be underwater.
1: Yeah. And do you, are you conscious of <clears throat> when you do that cash out refi, what your payment is going to be and compared to what you're renting it out for? Because you oh. obviously don't want to yes. be in the,
2: in the yeah. negative.
1: I just wanted to bring that up to yeah. the listeners too. You don't want to cash out refi 75% where your loan is $1,500 a month, but you're only getting $1,200 a month in, in rent either.
0: So we use, we use a Burr calculator. Um, it was like developed in-house. I wouldn't buy it. Like obviously it does. if the mortgage is going to be more, if 75% of what I know it's going to be worth is that payment is more than what the market rent is, I'm not buying that deal. That's not a deal for me.
1: Right. And that's, totally. that's the hard part right now with interest rates where they are. Yeah. Um,
0: I've been caught on a few. I caught yeah. a few. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's fine again. I, you know, Columbus, Ohio. Holding, I'm, I am in this for the long term. I am not scared, but there are a couple that like, "Eh." yeah, (laughs) the payments a little, little painful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I've, I've actually been calling around to lenders. Um, I found one in particular that will do a portfolio loan. And it was something like 5%. So it was much better than some of the first couple that I had heard. Of I will be
0: texting that, you after this.
1: That were double yeah. digits. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. you know, I've done this long enough in in business and in real estate. You can smell out a fraud. You can smell, you can smell competence also. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was nothing but impressed with okay. the owner of the company who called me right away and said, I'm not pushing you off. I want your business but this is my right-hand man I'm like oh boy here we go and he was just as impressive as she good. Was. so yeah good, I'm, yeah I'm so info.
0: it's it's a good idea to start building some of those you know refi lender relationships as you're going through the process just so you kind of know kind of what you're looking at um, but the terms change so quickly that it may be different between the time you buy it renovate all get all the way to refi that you know so
1: And then how often once you once you have that how often do you refi is it do you have like a i know you and i'm kind of the same way i would have it on a calculator is it every three years every five years or is it just Uh, that's the the economy or the the market probably too right
0: so that's a great question i have yet to finance anything twice um we have a lot on 20-year notes actually and my, I, I want to get them paid off. I do. I know that that isn't everyone's goal because I, I am very comfortable with debt. Very, like very comfortable. <laughs> because it's, it's leveraged against an asset that I'm also like, I also own. So, um, I'm not scared of debt, but for me to like truly retire with peace of mind, like I do want these paid off. So I'm, yeah. I am cautious of like the hamster wheel, like, refinancing all the time because it, I mean, it'll never be paid off.
1: Yeah. you and start lent, the, the lent, I, And I'm, I'm comfortable with debt. I just don't, I never want to be 2008 and Kent and I talked about this uh, as I was going into another meeting is like, I don't want to have 15 properties that are all leveraged and what if, COVID hits again, or what if this happens and people lose jobs and and whatnot. So that's, that's the side of the, again, being a newbie to the residential side that still makes me a little, you know, a a little nervous, but the lender that I'll I'll share their contact information with you, they have obviously different terms, but the 20 year, uh, because the rate is a little bit lower than the 30 year, it comes out to be roughly the same payment. and so, Oh,
0: interesting. Oh, I yeah. was
1: looking at the 20 years anyway, because again, I would like to force as much you know, equity in the property as possible.
0: Yeah. 100%. So 100%.
1: Yeah, for yeah.
0: sure. So if we want to go over just kind of like the numbers on one of these, like if you look in the handout, example one, this is a deal that we buy all the time. Like this is my absolute favorite deal. It's um, if you're using like kind of the, investor lingo, to my buy box. So I like to buy around between, you know, purchase price between 50 and $80,000. Okay, maybe up to like 90. Um, put no more than 3035 into it. That's that will get you a kitchen, a bath, flooring, paint, a couple mechanicals, and, you know, a couple windows, maybe a roof, right? So it's we're not tearing down walls. We are not getting, um, I don't want to say not getting permits, but like we're not getting like drawings from the city. We're not getting plans. Oh, awesome. You have it up here. Um, we're, you know, we're not getting like plans done by the city, anything like that. We're doing cosmetic, small mechanical. So, um, you also are going to have your holding costs on a deal this size between your lender costs, between your insurance, your property taxes during the time it's vacant you know, we'll say like $5,000. These are obviously round numbers. So between my purchase of 75, my renovation of 25 and my 5,000 holding, I'm all in at 105K. I have now, I bought it at 75 by doing these renovations. I've now forced the value up to 140, 140, 140,000 and the loan to value LTV is what the bank will give you. They will loan you blank percent of the value, right? So it's a ratio. So they'll give you 75% of 140. Look at this. In this case, it is exactly $105,000. Isn't that convenient?
1: It's almost like you planned that.
0: (laughs) It's almost like. (laughs) But this this is a deal that I buy two, three times a month, honestly.
2: And I think this is where I want to call off, folks. Like, this is the the power of real estate and the power of what the Burr method can do for yes. you. You are taking the same cash and using it over and over, over instead ever. of playing that rat race that you were talking about, where you're buying it and you got to save 20% for the down payment. You got to save it on 20% down. You'll never get out of the rat You'll race. never this yeah. is the hack. You have to pay attention to what Jesse is saying. Yeah. Um and but for
0: well, Quite. real quick, for those of you in you know higher cost of living markets, look at example two. It's the exact same thing with just higher numbers, mm-hmm. right? So the ratios are all the same. The process is the same because you may be thinking, "Oh, I seventy five thousand dollars for a house? Like I could never find that. Oh, not in my market." It's <laughs> like <laughs> it's like you can do the same concept with bigger numbers.
2: Do and they, I love that, Jesse.
1: Do they have those in San Diego? Camp seventy-five thousand dollar homes.
2: Yeah, just like three more zeros after. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: exactly right,
2: <laughs> um, Jesse. So I know we just went through that example, and sometimes like it's so easy to just walk through numbers on a spreadsheet. But some of the biggest questions I get from folks, it, it, I even had these questions when I was first started. was like, how do you estimate rehab costs? And mm everyone always says it depends instead of giving me at least just some sort of direction you know because yeah. for newbies fear is a real thing and when you have no semblance of what a fair rehab looks like you get too scared and you don't do anything so i'm oh, really interested in hearing what you know about rehab costs and how you approach um so, estimating those are expensive
0: yeah yeah no great question because it's one of the five key components of this process like if you get that wrong if you plan for 25,000 and it's 50, I mean your burr is just out the window, right? So getting your rehab estimates right is like key to success here. Um, we do two methods. So first, I'm sure you know you guys obviously know the 1% rule. So the 1% rule basically states that the rent every month should be 1% of 1% or more of the total amount of money you have into the deal. So if you're in it for a hundred rent should be a 1000 sorry. If you're in it for a hundred thousand rent should be 1000, which is 1%. Okay. That's just, it's a heuristic. It's a rule of thumb. That is, I would never buy a deal solely based on that, but that 1% rule of thumb tells me, is it a deal I want to look further into? Right? So I can know very quickly, like, could this be a deal at that point? I get my contractor through every single house that we consider buying every house. They give me a written scope, um, same day, next day. So I'm still competitive in my cash offer. You know, they're not like, Hey, give me a week. Of course uh, the deal will be gone. So they understand the value of getting me that quote very quickly. They get it. And if something was missed, that's their quote, you know, like if it's something that was inside of a wall, we didn't know about it. That's different. That's a change order. But, um, you know, if they miscounted the windows, they I, that, we're getting all new windows. Thank you for the free window. <laughs> like,
2: and this is why you go networking, right, Jesse? Yeah. You have to meet these contractors. Yes. And sometimes people are like, well, I'm super new and the contractor part take advantage of me. What do you say to that? Like how did you get – contractors to confide in you, to be on your team and yeah. to be your advocate and give you those numbers, any sort of tricks or tips that you can give to the listeners that are 100%. So members?
0: um, also in the handout, there's like a bunch of tips on like building your team. And one of those key team members, there's a whole long list there, but your contractor and your handyman, they're like, I mean, they're my best friends, like honestly. Um, So what we do to find them is networking. I will say it time and time and time again: get out there, join your real estate associations, get um, active on social media. The way I met Dane actually is, I um, I woke up this this year on New Year's Day, and I just had this epiphany because I was like, "How am I going to meet more people this year? Like, you know, it's resolution time and all this. Like, how am I going to meet more people?" And it just popped into my head: I was going to do. I call the coffee chat challenge. This is so, awesome,
1: by the way. Yeah,
0: you should do it. Everyone yeah. should do it. So I'm doing a coffee chat challenge. I'm meeting one new person for coffee every single week for the whole year. So it's 52 new one-on-one connections with nothing to buy or sell, anything like that. Just genuinely trying to get to meet people. Um, like Dana and I talked about, like so many things off topic, not even real estate. I still like <laughs> texting him for questions about like dietary stuff and. I'm, yeah. like, <laughs> uh, it's like I just wanted to like meet more people. So your real estate associations, social media, create your own challenge. Like, I mean, I put this out. The amount of people that wanted to meet up was like, uh, I mean, wild. It's like book, like months. I made a Calendly and just sent it out. It's like months in advance. So um, networking. And then once you find someone really trustworthy, ask who they use. You know, what? if you're just, blasting it out on social media, you're probably going to get a bunch of like riffraff. But once you trust someone, like I'm about to ask Dane for that lender, like on, I mean, you know what I mean? Cause I, I trust we met and he knows something that I want to know. I probably know something he wants to know and we just exchange information. Um, so yeah, ask like your personal network. That's going to be huge. Then once you find someone that is vouched by others and they do a good job, this is so, so key. If they do a good job for you, you pay them right away. If you are delaying payment, if you're kicking the rock down, there, oh, I'll, I'll get it to Friday. I'll get whatever. As soon as I verify the work was done up to our standards, I mean, I will stand there at a walkthrough with a contractor and Venmo them right then. It's, well, Zelle, whatever, you know, and I will digitally pay them while I'm standing in front of them. Say, thank that, you so much for the job.
1: And that sounds like common sense, pay people for the work they do. But as you've learned, Jesse, and I learned it the hard way. We talked about this. I think the first time Kent had me on, I paid $100,000 in tuition because I had a contractor walk off with money. There are a lot of bad people in this business yeah. and a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. good people too. Yeah. But I've had the same thing where I have literally paid uh, a subcontractor, an engineer, right there on on my phone and the appreciation that they have yeah and i finally asked the one guy he was a structural engineer and he goes you wouldn't believe the hardest part of my job i think he said that week he had thirteen thousand dollars of ar that was 90 days out because people had him come out and never paid him so it it does that that is a great tip and it goes such a long way they know you're gonna pay and that's what I always tell people. I, I don't like to pat myself on the back, but I'm like, look, I'm a good dude. I'm not going to, excuse my French, F you, you know, fuck you over. Yeah, yeah. Be fair to me and I'll always yeah. be fair to you. And and it's, it's worked out. So I've just great. found,
0: I have found that when I pay same or next day, I mean, I'm not paying them without seeing the work, period. And I'm, even if it's a small job, send me photos and I'll pay you right? I'm not like going out to make sure faucet was changed appropriately. That's not sustainable. So send me a picture. Everything looks good. Okay. I'll pay you right then. Um, By doing that, I am on the top of all of my vendors lists. When my name comes through that we need some work done, they're going to be there because guess when they're getting paid as soon as it's done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. One of my vendors actually uh, hit me up two weeks ago it wants to do business with me
0: there you go yeah yeah he knows you're on top of it
1: to your to your point yeah for sure yeah great that's great
0: so that yeah best tips for building teams network ask your like ask for personal referrals that one is huge because they've been vetted by someone else and then pay pay immediately yeah yeah
1: Let's talk about, I call it scar tissue or tuition or whatever. Tell me uh, one or two mistakes that you've made, uh, bad, bad things that have happened with deals, things where you've lost money or or just not been happy. Uh, Oh. this This is where our listeners learn... And realize social media is great, but it's also filled with a bunch of bullshit with people on beaches yeah. and you know with fists full of cash. Yeah, and that's not always the case. It not is for it Kent is. Uh, because he lives in San Diego and is <laughs> wealthy. But uh, tell yeah, tell us like uh, a situation or a or a property or yeah. a purchase that went the wrong way and, and why.
0: Okay, so. This is, this is a crowd favorite. Everyone loves this story because I was just so dumb. (laughs) Um, I bought a house. It was in a, it's in the artist district in Columbus. It's very transitioning. Um, It's a little like even early on the transition. Um, Bought a house and it was on kind of a busy road. It's probably not something I'd buy again. It was years ago. And, um, we had, we got it renovated. We had an app. We had, it sat on the market for a while, just being on a busy road, kind of in that neighborhood. It was a little bit hard to get rented. So we had an applicant come through and I got, you know, I was impatient. I did not follow the screening process. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did not do uh, any of the things that we now do religiously to you know, make sure that the person is who they say they are. They have verifiable income. I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, it'll be fine. Just move her in. Okay. It was not fine. Um, foreshadowing, not fine. The na- the house next door was for sale. The agent who's listing that house somehow found my phone number, called me and was like, hey, uh, there's like 15 people like in and out of this house all at all times a day. And we can't sell our house Because your house has, like, so much activity. And I'm like, oh, okay. And she had moved. It was, like, within three weeks of moving in.
1: They weren't Girl Scouts coming in and out. It it was
0: most definitely not Girl Scouts. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So go over there. I got the call. I tried to contact the resident. I'm not one to, like, go out somewhere, like, immediately. Like, I'm going to give them a chance to answer. I'm not going to be that, like, nosy, overbearing, you know. So, you know, I didn't hear from her a day, two days. I'm like, okay, let me go out there. Go out there. All the windows in the house are shot out by the SWAT team. The SWAT team raided the house with beanbags. They shoot out the windows, okay? There was, like, a huge drug bust. (sighs) Lots of people were arrested. I evicted someone who was in prison because, clearly, like, I still have to go through an eviction. She's in jail. Um... I look back, you know, it was like a lot to deal with. It was a huge insurance claim. The place was trashed. Like Obviously we didn't have windows anymore. It rained inside. It was like a whole thing. And um, we, we get through it. I reflect, I go back and look. The proof of payments that she sent me were literally all handwritten in this. She, she was a cleaner, okay? They were all handwritten in the same pin. In the same handwriting, these receipts. I'm like, what the hell? Like, how did I ever think this was okay? <laughs> and I did a little, I did more research. I spoke to obviously the officers who were out there and they said it's um it's kind of like a, a thing. So these groups of drug communities will find someone with a clean record. Cause we I did do a background check. Okay, I got that far. They'll find someone with a clean record and they'll be the one to put in the application. And then within a week or two, your house doesn't look anything like it did when you rented it. So it's like, it's kind of organized. Um, so please be on the lookout for that. Like to do, do your applicant scorecard, do your checks and balances, call your references, like make sure they actually have a job.
2: But let me pick this apart because I think this is how I'm going to remove the fear from people. So you had windows damaged. You had a squat team in there. Really, yeah. literally the worst case scenario that could happen with. a Oh technology.
0: Yeah
2: what did that actually cost you out of pocket in terms of like lost rents damages what did insurance pay you back for do you remember having any general ranges yeah
0: so insurance covered everything and uh they covered loss of rent they also covered uh they didn't cover the eviction of course they i i ended up coming out pretty much break even that doesn't count my time but i wasn't out any money
2: And I think this is so important for the listeners to really pay attention to. It's like, yeah, the worst case happened. So this is how Jesse dealt with it. Yeah. She got the results. She learned from the mistakes, which makes me as an investor want to partner with Jesse even more. Yeah. Cause I, I would much rather go through and invest with someone that's had a crazy story like that. Cause they're like, Oh, if she can handle that, she can handle do anything.
0: Yeah. Well, hey. you know why the, our applicant scorecard exists is because of this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we put a process in place and have not had any trouble ever again.
2: And I absolutely love that. Cause again, we're, demystifying, pulling back yeah. the curtains, Like, Hey, you know, worst case scenario, Jesse still came out. Okay. Uh, except for the loss it. in time.
0: Yeah. Loss in time. And like, you know, there was some lost sleep, but the key for me on this whole thing of it, like actually being okay. I am always talking about team building, like my in-house team, they get so tired of me here, like hearing it and saying it, we have an insurance advisor that I've used for years She's not just a broker who like puts some numbers in, right? She's an advisor. She does our umbrella policies. She does our personal, she does everything. Um, so when this happened, I called and I was like, Rachel, holy crap, what do I do? Within half a day, she had someone coming out to do the um, adjustment, you know, the insurance adjusting, whatever it's called. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Yep. yeah, so she had someone out, like within half a day, we had it on the calendar. She's like, you know, calm down. Everything's going to be OK. Of course, I'm freaking out. And um, so having that team, like now I'm like, I don't care what y'all do to my house. Like me and Rachel, we're going to sort it out. So.
1: And I was just going to ask you uh, for what insurance company or or broker you use. So I, I, I'll make you a deal. I, I'll give you my uh, my lender contact for your yeah. insurance.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll give you I yeah, I'll definitely share with you yeah he's a
1: saint very cool Very cool. no i love
2: that and i think um so jesse you we just talked to a bad story uh let's let's talk about good stories like people you've been able to help with affordable housing i always love to focus on the positive because this is why we do what we do it's not just for the money it's like hey we chose real estate because it provides a really solid home and foundation for people growing up so any stories of like a tenant you've helped with um in affordable housing we would love to kind of hear something like that
0: yeah um i don't I mean, there have been many like singular stories, but I think that what I can help the most to the audience listening is the biggest thing that we do is we treat everyone kind of firm, but fair. So the expectation is that rent is paid, right? But we are willing to work with assistance agencies that so many other housing providers just say, hey, you got to pay the rent and that's that. If someone isn't able to pay for a month, we are comfortable carrying their balance for two, three. I mean, we've had someone get six months behind, but it's because we were working with an agency and it took time to get them caught up. Right. So that it's there have been some some really great stories individually. Hi. (laughs) She's so cute. Oh, she... <laughs> oh my sorry, God. she was, she was oh, tugging
2: yes. at my feet. At my I'm sorry. is not <laughs> <laughs> the ideal, but she always loves to say hi to the guests really quick. <laughs> I love her hair.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. so cute. Oh, so it's kind of more of like a mindset that it's not well, like we, of course, have helped plenty of people on an individual basis. But the fact that if you come to us with an issue, we are going to work with you as a partner to try to sort through it because there are so many resources out there for people um, in, I mean, we've had churches provide assistance. We've obviously had government funded programs. We've had city funded programs. I have um, a list of 10 to 12 different programs that we've worked with. And we have that in a document that is resident facing. We're not, we're not leading with it. You know, I don't want everyone to get the idea in their head that, just say, hey, yeah, use assistance anytime you need it. But if you genuinely cannot pay, I can send you this document. Of course, it's on you as the resident to contact them, see who has money at what point. But we'll do a lot of the legwork for folks to be able to get that assistance that they need.
1: Yeah, that's great. And in Columbus, that's the one thing I've learned with my multifamily side and with my new property management group, too, is there are more charities and, and churches and, and, you know, companies out there that are willing to, to help for, for sure, yes. uh, temporary and, and even long-term. Um, how many properties do you own now total?
0: We are just about 60.
1: Wow. Six yeah, Six zero. Yeah. All right.
0: We've been buying a lot this year, but this year I've also had a huge mission to like simplify. So some of those before I understood the Burr method, I was still hanging on to some properties that I definitely should not have bought. Thankfully, I was like saved Mm -hmm. by the run up in the market over COVID and all that because these were all pre-COVID. So we sold off quite a few the first half of the year, um, but we've (laughs) bought enough using Burr to kind of replace it. So we're just hovering right there at that 60
1: Any words of advice for somebody that has two and wants to get to 30, 40, 50, 60, but uh, is nervous nervous about it? Is that you? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, My advice is to find someone who has done it before you, because I always joke that you're going to pay one way or another. You're either going to pay for mentoring or coaching, or you're going to pay the hard way. And the hard way costs a whole lot more i will tell you yeah yeah
1: for sure yeah so
0: get get a mentor um there's tons of programs out there i um i own the rentals made easy method it's all of my lessons over the past 10 years of investing put together in a step-by-step program Um, so if i mean if it's something that you're really serious about just make that investment Because you're going to shortcut so many mistakes and headaches. And Um, not with, I mean, not, I'm not even saying with me, just someone. If you have a mentor, if you have a family member who's had rentals in the past, um, just find someone who's been there before you and walk in their shoes as much as you can.
1: Well, along those notes, uh, I was going to plug this for you anyway, but over your right ear, there's a sign. Uh, unlocked. There you that, 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 go. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell, uh, so I know, uh, and, and I know enough just about this to be dangerous. I know you started this last week, I think, or two. No, weeks
0: ago. no, no, no. Well, We've you been, started
1: promoting it from what I've seen. Yeah.
0: So we have been building, well, I've been building this for 10 years, but it's just been in my head and for myself. Uh, about a year ago, we put everything into a formalized, uh, program. It's so the, you guys should all join our Facebook group. It's this same logo unlocked. Um, it's learn to buy and manage rental properties, free Facebook group, honestly, no strings attached, tons of free content in there. And then if you did want to take it to the next level, that's the, the course is the rentals made easy method. And I've been working on that, like formalizing it about a year. We just went a little bit, um, little heavier on marketing in the past just past couple weeks or months
1: yeah okay and and your marketing's been great obviously Uh, yeah it's very very informative but also beautiful it catches your eye yeah thanks Uh, so yeah you put a
0: lot of work into it my wife is a graphic designer so Uh, i love her to death laura if you're watching this just (laughs) thank you so much
1: laura what can you do for me what can you
0: yeah yeah you don't want to know her hourly (laughs) Um, i drug her i drug her through uh, a lot of this course creation she's fantastic everything is like the sli- the handout that you have today Laura did all that laha design um you follow her too laura hansen what's her email i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um so she she did all this and it's yeah so it's professionally designed it's really well done yeah
2: love it so Jesse, i i mean i want to uh, you know this this podcast is about affordable housing uh, after all. And it, for the most part, how has your tenant base been? Do you have any voucher holders that are renting from your home we do. currently? We do. Yeah. I mean, can you help us debug or even confirm the myth? I don't know. Like what? how have the performance or you know behavior of your voucher holders been for you? Are they great yes. tenants? Are they okay tenants? I'm just curious to hear your experience with them.
0: Yeah. So I kind of have a philosophy that like everyone human beings for the most part we all try to be good genuine like of course there's some you know outliers but for the most part human beings are good they're good there are very good rich people there are bad rich people there are good poor people and there are bad poor people so i don't think that like there's such a stigma that because you're poor you're automatically bad and that is not the case whatsoever. What we've seen from our voucher holders is that voucher often people are on the wait list for years to actually get into the program and to get assistance that they need. And they are going to do everything in their power to not mess that up. So we, yeah, so we have our, some of our voucher holders, um, through CMHA, they, are just the most respectful of our property, of our communication, um, because they don't want to lose it. They honestly don't want to lose it.
2: Well, thank you so much. Seriously, because I think that is probably one of the first goals of this podcast. is just to debunk that myth and show people voucher holders are just people. They just need a helping hand. They just are hardworking folks that just yep. need a solid ground and launching pad to raise their family and give their kids a brighter future. So yep. this is really cool. So I guess this leads right into my next question, because I would love to hear from you. And we, we've been asking this question to every guest that comes on to the podcast, Okay. Uh, because we really believe like, hey, people say affordable housing is so hard to solve for, but I don't really believe that. I believe that with every guest, they have different opinions, different ideas. And every person that has a little idea is just another piece to the puzzle. And eventually we'll get all the pieces. So I really want to understand from you, like, why do you think affordable housing, particularly like the lack of supply of affordable housing is like so hard to solve. For. We'd love yeah. to hear thoughts?
0: love I mean, economic, like the obvious answer is just economic trends. Like so, like so many things right now just cost more and builders aren't building. A lot of, you know, since COVID, people have not been building at the same rates that we were before. So those factors for the, you know, the incentives for the people building the affordable housing haven't been there for a while now. And so that trickles down to supply and demand. And there just isn't enough housing, Columbus in particular, the amount of people moving in here. I mean, it's reminiscent of Austin, like in some of why I left, because they're just, it became so expensive and there was nowhere, there was really nowhere to live affordably. So um, I think that we have, a lot of policy that we need to look at specifically um like adus and the you know not just for airbnb but you can put a long-term resident in a garage apartment or you know but um columbus isn't really allowing that to the level that they need to right now it's very hard to get permits and very very strict on what they look like and all of this so the policies just aren't keeping up with the amount of people that are moving here that, yeah, that's what we're saying. Just Sorry, the demand. I, I kept
1: muting and then unmuting myself. It, it, I say this, I've said this probably a hundred times in the last month, in the last five years, it's a totally different city than it was yeah. five years ago. It, it, it's cost of living, uh, the, the influx of people moving in, and there's just not enough inventory. Um, yeah. But that's then, why that's why I think you and I will have jobs until we decide not to, uh, Jesse. Because you know, I, I I wanted to, I always wanted to do a flip because I love real estate and and I love the creative process of of taking something that's you know dilapidated mm-hmm. and beat down and making it nice again. Uh, but I never thought I would like it this much, and I've already seen it with my second house. <clears throat> we fixed we started with the exterior on that and within two weeks the house what caddy corner two down oh now their lawn is mowed and they're putting in a fence and they're 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 getting the weeds out of their gutters and they're talking about painting and, and it can nice. carry over yeah. yeah like that but it's it's definitely needed uh in a big 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 way yeah for, Columbus, for, sure. for sure yeah
0: there will always be a need i don't I mean, so hard to solve for like I mean, Kent, do you do you believe that there is a solution? I I'm not being pessimistic, but if you have more people coming in and no one building affordable housing, like what do we do?
2: Yeah, I think it's a truly a lack of supply issue policies. I think this is such a big problem that this is really one of the problems that you have to attack from all fronts. And that's why on this podcast we welcome folks like you who you're not a you're not a small mom-and-pop landlord, right? You have 60 properties. You're well oh, on your I way feel. to- I,
0: Yeah, it's a, I was right? for a very long time. Yeah. I still have that in me, for sure.
2: Yeah. And yeah. I think this is why it's so important. I think, Jesse, I resonate more with someone like you if I was new. It's like, okay, Jesse's 60 properties. I can still see my path towards there in 5, 10 years. But for some folks out there with 5,000 doors, like I just can't, I just can't even right. fathom. I can't see the path there yet. And I think this is why this podcast is so cool, and I love having folks like you on, is because we get to see folks how they're able to succeed as small mom and pop, as a burger queen of Ohio, or (laughs) as a multifamily construction from the ground up. I think this gives everyone a flavor on, hey, how do you want to help with the problem? Because this is probably going to be a topic. That people are going to talk for, for about five to 10 years, at least the next five to 10 years. So we must be ahead of the game and share our mistakes with folks because with just your story today, I'm so confident someone listening today is going to be like, wow. Oh, wow. A SWAT team went into my house. (laughs) And- you know what? Jesse said it was going to be all right and they're going <laughs> to feel all right. And just no, like that, you would have inspired someone. They're going
0: to join point. the rentals made easy method. They're going to screen people the right way and then the SWAT team won't come to your house. Don't worry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, Jesse, um, seriously, thank you for coming on and, and thank you for what you do. Seriously, without folks yeah. like you provide, providing affordable housing, uh, I would have never had the, the home I grew up in. I would never become the man I am today. I would never have the opportunity to start a podcast about affordable housing without... People like you, kind of. I seriously thank you so much. And, yeah, of
0: course, where
2: can people get in touch with you? Like, how else can people get in touch with
0: yeah, you? Yeah. So, the like, I am all over this Facebook group, Unlocked, um, learn to buy and manage rental properties. I'm there. We do live streams every Tuesday with free content. You can chime in, ask your questions, whatever. Um, I'm putting out stuff all the time. So that's my number one. We're on Instagram and all that, but that's really where you're going to get the most value.
2: And what's your Instagram handle? I want to make sure folks can follow you. (laughs) no problem i don't don't know
0: i really like i have Instagram. instagram it's like the accounts there don't just don't go go to facebook
2: (laughs) hey i like that you gotta gotta know where to funnel people you gotta know where to funnel people to um, uh well you help me help
0: me with my business
2: (laughs) i love it well jesse thank you so much for coming on to the show dane as always thank you for for being a guest co-host here we love having you both and hopefully jesse we'll have you back on eventually at some point i think yeah, that'd be really, yeah. really cool
1: absolutely when you hit 100 units let's do okay it. we'll do a little <laughs> love party it. yeah love it. should <laughs> Thanks, be next guys. year
2: yeah
0: yeah